to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. And we've been looking the last couple of weeks at this particular chapter uh, in regards particularly to our yielding unto Christ. Uh, we, we were kind of focused on that last week. We looked first of all at uh, our deliverance from sin and what, what is promised to us there in Christ. And then we looked at last week the yielding to Him as the Scripture speaks to us there, uh, particularly verse 11 uh, on down through verse 13 there when He says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon yourselves, he says, dead indeed unto sin. Count yourselves dead, he said, unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So it's this whole idea of us yielding our will, yielding ourselves, giving ourselves to our Lord. We are delivered from sin in Christ. It is removed from us. The, the, the condemnation of sin is removed from us. The power of sin is removed from us in Christ Jesus. And yet, because we're still in the flesh, the reality of sin is still very much there. It's still a problem for us. It's still something that is constantly coming into our lives. And so we need, as God's people, to reckon ourselves dead to this flesh, to reckon ourselves dead to this sin, that we're not going to be controlled by this flesh, that we're not going to be controlled by the sin that is in it, but rather to, to uh, yield ourselves, to give ourselves. Paul uses the example over here in chapter 12, in verses 1 and 2, of giving ourselves as a living sacrifice. He says, unto God. In fact, go over and read that passage with me. Romans 12, verse 1 and verse 2 there, uh, particularly. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, he says. That's the very least we can do is to give all of ourselves to our Lord. To give all of ourselves to His service. That we would give all of ourselves that the, the, the sacrifices of life. Listen, we sacrifice for a lot of things in our lives. We sacrifice for our kids. We sacrifice for our jobs. We sacrifice for our homes. We, we give of ourselves in so many different avenues and so many different things in our life. The first thing, the first thing that should be sacrificed for to give ourselves wholly to is our God. 
That should be the thing that takes that, that, that precedence in our life. Is that we would devote ourselves to Him. That we would give ourselves to Him above everything else. Above everything else. Him first. He is to be our first. We are to love Him first. We are to be devoted to Him first. We are to give ourselves to Him first. He is to be first. And so Paul's telling us we are to give ourselves a living sacrifice unto Him. In other words, we're not going to live for me. We're not going to live for self. But rather we're going to live for Him. And to give ourselves for Him. Whatever He would have us do, and ever how He would have us to serve Him, that we would be faithful in giving ourselves to the service of our Lord. So he says, and again, this is your reasonable. This is your reasonable service. This is the least that we can do for Him. And we do this by what He goes on to say there in verse number 2. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, he says, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That we would give ourselves to our Lord, that we would not be conformed to this world, because that's exactly what the world is pushing constantly. Conform, 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 conform to society, conform to our way of thinking, conform to this, conform to that, conform, conform to the wickedness that's in this world. That's, that's constantly what the world is pushing us. And the reality is we are to be transformed. We are to be made different than this world. And we are transformed, he says, by the renewing of our mind. We are renewed in our mind by the Word of God as we delve into this each and every day. As we give ourselves to our Lord, as we give ourselves to, to learning His Word, to seeing what He has given to us here as He's communicated these things to us, we are to be transformed in that, be having our minds renewed every day, day by day, by the Spirit of God using the Word of God to make us what He would have us to be. Give ourselves a, a living sacrifice. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And he says that ye may prove. In other words, in us giving ourselves to our Lord, in us sacrificing our lives for Him, for His service, for His purposes, not living for me, but living for Him, yielding myself to Him, what He's going to do for us is He is going to prove to you His way is the best way. What He's going to do is prove to you that His way is the, the perfect way. His way is the way that works every time. He will prove it to you. Because in us sacrificing ourselves to Him, in us giving ourselves over to the Lord, whatever Your will is in my life, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever it is, Father, Your will for my life, Father, You work, You do it. In giving ourselves over to Him, it takes some faith. It takes it takes it takes some trust in what God is going to do, what He's going to work. Because quite honestly, 
when we give ourselves over to Him and we say, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm going to serve you in this. I'm going to do I know this is what you'd have. I know this is what's right. And I, and I know this is what your will is. I know this is what your word declares. I'm going to give myself to it. I'm going to do that, Lord. I'm going to go that direction. I'm, I'm going to devote myself to you. I'm, I'm going to live like you've called me. I'm going to, I'm going to do and live like you've called and, and called me to and live like you, uh, like you've told me to in your word. And when we do that, we immediately start to think, but wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. There's other things that I need to take care of. There's bills I've got to pay over here. There's, there's things I've got to take care of. I don't know if the Lord's got all this or not. And we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt the Lord's ability. And our, our faith, we find, is often very thin in what God's purpose and what God's ability is. And we find our faith is pretty strong in what we can do. We put a whole lot of stock in our own strength. We put a whole lot of stock in our own ability. And we begin to look at self and we begin, well, you know what, I, I know this is what the Lord would have me to do. I know this is how He would have me to live. I know this is His, His direction and His will and this particular thing. But I think I can just do it a little bit better. And we start trusting self. And what Paul is telling us here, well, first of all, when we just start trusting self, we'll fall flat on our face. We trust our own strength, we'll find very quickly that no matter how no matter how strong our faith is in self, we'll find very quickly self is weak. That it's thin and we'll fall very quickly. If that's, all, if that's what we're depending on, we'll find very quickly self can't handle it. Self can't handle it. And what it does do, what self is able to work out, it might go on. It, it, it might accomplish exactly what we think it ought to accomplish. The Lord might allow it. He might, he might let us have our way in it and we might, we might get done exactly what we think we can get done. We, we, it, might, it might happen exactly how we think it's going to happen. We might have it all, all wrapped up and think, well, I got it. I did it. What Paul is telling us here, though, is when we give ourselves to Christ, when we devote ourselves to Him, when we sacrifice our will and our life, our purpose to Him that His will is done, He will prove to us His way is always better. His way is always better, and it's better for us. Every single time, His way... His way is better. That ye might prove, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Trust Him. Trust Him. Yield yourself to Him. Trust Him. His way is best every time. His way is best. And so Paul is encouraging us here in our text in chapter 6 here that we yield ourselves to God, that we give Him... Give Him all of ourselves that we might serve Him as He's called us to serve. That we would give our members, our, our parts, our flesh, that we would give that as instruments of righteousness for Him. That we would work His will. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God.
Now verse 17. Well, look, look back at verse 15. Let's read there. He says, what do you? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are. To whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves. Now he's just encouraged us there in verse number 13. Yield ourselves unto God. Give ourselves to Him. And remember, we we studied last week what that word yield means. It means to stand beside. Stand alongside. We We are to stand on the Lord's side. That's what He's telling us to do. Stand on the Lord's side. Be on His side. Don't stand with the world. Don't stand with yourself. Don't stand in your own power, but rather stand with God. Stand on His side. That's what that yielding to Him is. And He describes it now. Whoever side we're standing on is whose side servant we are. And so let me tell you, you want to be on God's side. You want to be His servant. Now there's a lot of people that want to, they think they're standing in self. They think they're standing standing on their own power. They think that they're, they're standing in their own person. I'm standing for me. I don't, I don't, I don't align with anybody else. I'm, I'm standing neutral. Yeah, those people don't say they want to ride the fence. You know, they don't want to be on one side or the other. And they, no, I'm, I'm different than everybody. I'm standing by myself. I'm standing alone. Well, no, you're not. There's no middle ground. You're either on the Lord's side or you're on the world's side. And the world's side is the devil's side. It's that simple. And that's what Paul goes on to tell us here. If, we're not, if we've not given ourselves to God as members uh, and, and yielding our members as instruments of righteousness, then our members are instruments of unrighteousness. And we've yielded ourselves unto the world. And to whoever side we're on. If we're not on God's side, we're on the world's side. And if we're on the world's side, we're servant to it. That's what Paul goes on to tell us here in this passage. And so this, this is of utmost importance for us. Whose side are we standing on? Whose side are we standing on? As children of God, As children of God, have we yielded ourselves unto God? Are we following self? Know ye not, verse 16 again, Know ye not that whom ye yield yourself, servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether it's sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh, 
For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things, whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Last eight verses, Paul uses that term service. He uses it eight times. Eight times. The Greek word there is doulos. And servants is a little bit, I mean we understand that's what servant is, but it's a, it's a little bit, uh, uh, it, it doesn't really grasp fully what doulos is. I understand what translators were doing there in the sense to make us more about being on God's side, but the reality is the word doulos means slave. We, we are His slaves. So he, he makes the point here, Paul makes the point, to whomever we yielded ourselves, we yielded ourselves to God, or we're yielding ourselves to me, or we're yielding ourselves to this world, then whoever we, we yielded ourselves to, that's whose slave we are. That's whose slave we are. And so he, he's reminding us here, we need to be mindful We need to be mindful about where our desire is, where our hearts are, where our devotion is. How much of my life, how much of your life is devoted to you and how much of it is devoted to the Lord. How much of it is devoted to this world and how much of it is devoted to the Lord. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are, to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now Paul says there in verse 17, but, but God be thanked that ye were, ye were the servants or slaves of sin. That was the position you were in. But now he's told us that we've been freed in Christ Jesus. In in the, the work of salvation that God has done in us, in His grace that He has bestowed upon us, He has freed us from the bondage of sin. That bondage of sin we couldn't do anything about in and of ourselves. There wasn't an opportunity for us to yield ourselves unto God without first being in Christ. You can't yield yourselves to God if you're still in yourself. There has to be salvation. There has to be a new birth in you. There has to be life given you by God before you can ever yield yourself to Him. Because there's there's no yielding at that point. We're bound. We are in bondage to sin without Christ Jesus. And so he's he's already described to us that we've been freed from that bondage to sin in Christ. 
There was at one time we were servants, he said, to that sin. And there was nothing that we could do about it. There was nothing that we could change about that reality. In Ephesians chapter number 2, Paul writes there in verse 2 and verse 3 as he describes that condition there. He tells us in verse 1 that we were dead in trespasses and sin. That's the position. Dead in trespasses and sins. And this is, this is what that was all about there in verse 2 and 3. This is the reason we were dead in trespasses and sins. And this is what it accomplished in us, that deadness in trespasses and sins. He says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. This is the reason, he says, we were dead in trespasses and sins. This is the result of that deadness of trespasses and sins. We are depraved. And in that state of depravity, we we are bound with the course of this world. And being bound with the course of this world, we find ourselves, as he tells us there in Romans chapter 6, we find ourselves servants then to this world. But God be thanked, he says. Verse number 17, but God be thanked. Ye were, ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Now Ephesians chapter 2, he goes on to describe that reality. And the reason that we thank God for it, reason God be thanked, is because we can't do that ourselves. We're not able to obey that doctrine that was delivered to us, but that God make us alive but that God change us, but that God give us His grace. Because in that state of depravity that Paul describes for us there, in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 2 and 3, that state of deadness that he spoke of there in verse number 1, there is nothing that we can do to to rise above that state of deadness. We cannot give ourselves life. God has to give us that life. And you have He quickened, he says there in verse number 1, who were dead in trespasses and sin. And he describes all of that mess that we're in, verse 2 and 3. And then verse 4 he says, But God, but God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, God who is rich in mercy. God intervened on our behalf. Those of us who were dead in trespasses and sins, every one of us are born in that state and we continue in that state until God intervenes in us and gives us life. That's what he describes in verse number 1. You hath he quickened. You hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. God, because of His great mercy, God who is rich in mercy, He says, for His great love 
wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive together with Christ. And then Paul introduces that word grace in this text. By grace, by grace ye are saved. By gra- and God's unmerited favor, He has redeemed us unto Himself. And hath raised us, he says, verse 6, hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. He made it possible for us to believe, or made made it, I shouldn't say possible, he, He gave us faith to believe. He gave us faith to believe. He gave us grace to redeem us unto Himself. And so this this is all works. All work by that intervention of God. But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. It is by His intervention. And so, when Paul writes here in our text in verse number 17, but God be thanked. We thank Him because He's the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can work that for us. He's the only one that's able to work it for anybody. It is He that gives us life. Eternal life. He gives us physical life. He gives. He is the one that gives us eternal life. It's by Him that we live. And so He has given us life. And so because of this life, this, this eternal life that He has given us, we are able then, who were once servants of sin, we are now to live unto Him. But God be thanked. That ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. How did we obey it? By Him. We, we, don't, we don't have the ability in ourselves. It's by Him that we obey it. It's by Him that we live. It's by Him that we have eternal life given us. It's by Him that we stand on the Lord's side. It's by Him that we are able to yield ourselves unto Him. And now, because because we live in Him, now because our sins, we've been removed from that bondage of sin, now we are made the children of God. And now having received that grace, having received that salvation from Him, now there's a choice. Yield unto God. Or yield to unrighteousness. Stand on God's side. Or stand on your side. Now, again. Again, God has promised preservation. He has promised perseverance. God will not allow us to stay parted from Him in sin. As the children of God. He will not let us stay there. He's going to bring us to Himself. But there might be a time 
there might be a, a period of time in your, that He's going to allow you to go that way. He's going to allow you to give yourself to your sin. He's going to allow you to, to follow after self for a while. He's going to allow you to get away from Him. He might allow you for time. I don't know how long He goes in every instance. That's up to Him. David gives us an example. David was about nine months that he stayed away from the Lord. That he just lived for self. Done his thing. Gave God, gave God honor by his lips. Gave God honor by the conduct of everything else in his life. But in his heart, he was in rebellion against God. The children of God do the same thing all the time. All the time. I don't know how long God will let us go. I don't know how long He'll let us serve our sin. It's different for everybody. It's a different time that He he will allow. But let me tell you, He's always there. He's always there. And He will chasten. He will chasten His children and bring them back to Himself. He will not let you go on in your own wickedness to follow yourself. He will not let you continue. He will bring he'll allow you some time. He'll give you some rope. But he will bring you back. He will put you where you need to be. And it's most often after the sin that we've allowed in our lives has caused us great destruction. It's usually after it's caused us Trouble and pain for following after self. And Paul is encouraging us here. Don't get in that situation. Yield yourselves unto God. Yield yourself. Stand on His side. Give yourself as members of, un, of, of righteousness instead of unrighteousness. Give yourselves to Him. Stand on His side. Don't stand on your side. Don't stand on the side of the world. Give yourselves to Him. It says in verse 18, being then made free from sin, ye became, in Christ we became the servants, the slaves of righteousness. I speak, Paul says, verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. He says, I'm speaking to you as plainly as I can speak to you because you all are sick in the flesh. You are sin sick, Paul said. He's talking here to the Romans that he's writing this book to, the church at Rome there, and he's telling you all are sin sick, and I'm, I'm writing to you in a manner that you're able to understand so that you be able to grasp what I'm telling you. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have lacked, or as ye have yielded rather your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. So just as you live after self for so long, just as you lived after sin, just as you give yourself as slave to the wickedness of this world, he said, now stand with God. Now yield your members as servants of righteousness. 
For when ye were the servants of sin, he says, ye were free from righteousness. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground here. There's no fence riding available. You're either on the Lord's side or you're not. You're either standing with Him or you're not. This is what Paul is telling us. There's no no place where we can just kind of float. We're to be on His side. We're to stand with Him. There's no middle ground. For when you were the servants or the slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. Verse 21, he says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? We can look back at our sin. We can see our failures. We can see those things we're ashamed of. We can see those those things that we allowed in our hearts, those things we allowed in our, our minds, those things that, that we that we did in our lives that we can look back on and see the depth of that wickedness and see that sin that we don't want anybody to know about. We don't want to tell anybody. Maybe some of our friends know about it. Maybe some of our family knows about it. We sure don't want nobody else to know about it. Those things that we're ashamed of, those things that we hate were ever a part of our lives. Paul says, we know what that's like. We, we remember those. We remember those events. We remember those, those things, those things in our hearts, those things that we did. We can look back and see the shame of our sin. And he says, what fruit came from that? What fruit came from it? What, what great thing grew out of that wickedness? Nothing. Nothing. Sin always brings destruction. It always brings, brings turmoil. It always brings pain. It always brings shame and guilt. It always brings those kind of things to it. There's no fruit in it. There's no fruit in it. So Paul says, what fruit did you have in those things that you're now ashamed of? What fruit came out of that? Nothing. Just destruction. What fruit had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things, he said, is death. It's death. In fact, what happens for a child of God that gives place to sin in their lives is we kill the fruit. We kill the fruit that's dying. But now being made free from sin, Now having that freedom in Christ. Now being delivered from that power of sin in Him. But now being made free from sin and become the slaves of God. Ye have your fruit. Unto holiness. And the end of it is everlasting life. Fruit. Fruit is only produced 
and righteousness. The fruit of holiness, the fruit that God would have for us to to bear in our life is only produced in righteousness. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And then Paul, this very familiar verse to you, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's, that is its payment every single time. You get that check, death. That's, what's, that's what it brings. Every Destruction. Every single time. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why wouldn't you want to be His slave? Why wouldn't you want to be His servant? Why wouldn't you want to yield yourself to Him? Because He's going to prove. He's going to prove His way is the best way. He's going to prove His way is the only way. He's going to make sure, he's going to, he's going to help us as His children. He's going to help us see that. Even when it doesn't make full sense to us, even when our faith is weak and we're not able to look beyond the situation, He's going to prove every single time His way is best for us. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God The gift of God. We all, we all deserve death. Every last one of us, we deserve death. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. We've We've all sinned against God. And these wages, we rightfully, in and of ourselves, rightfully, these wages belong to us. Death. But God. But God. But God in His great grace intervened for us. Christ Jesus went to the cross. There He took upon Himself our sin, bore it in our place, took the punishment of that sin for us, came as our substitute bore our sin in our place, taking that sin from us, and in return giving unto us eternal life. Giving unto us His righteousness. Oh, it's marvelous. That's so marvelous. God would give us the righteousness of His dear Son. Why would you not? Why would you not be on the Lord's side? Why would you not yield yourselves, 
Yield your will. Yield your heart. Yield your devotion. Why would you not yield all of you to God? Look what He's done for you. Why would you not yield yourselves to Him? He'll prove it. He'll prove it every time. His way is absolutely the perfect way. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you trust Him? Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, you bring us a song.